0: Welcome to the DTS Fitness Education Podcast. The aim of the podcast is to give you usable content for you if you're a health and fitness enthusiast or for your clients if you're a health and fitness professional. With different points of view and a little bit of fun, we break down information to give insights that empower and hopefully inspire through a lens of longevity and pain-free living for everyone. So stay tuned and enjoy. Welcome to the DTS Fitness Education Podcast. It is roundtable time on our Kettlebell uh, series. My name is Ben McDonald and I am here with, I've got a very special guest. We've got a special guest for you today. It is Matt Thatcher. Is involved with DTS Fitness Education on our Kettlebell Coach Certification. So, Matt, how's things, brother? And do a little intro. Introduce yourself, my friend.
1: All right, sure, sure. Thanks. That was a great intro, man. I'll try to, uh, I'll try to beat that. Uh, so, hey, I'm Matt Thatcher. I'm involved in uh, DTS, uh, the kettlebell certification with them. I've been using bells for 15 years or, or more when I first started in CrossFit. is uh, when I kind of got introduced to kettlebells, and uh, I, I didn't love every aspect of CrossFit, but I certainly love some, and kettlebells is one that I took away and stuck with me. I have a wide background in fitness. Uh, I have a black belt in karate that I got when I was about 18. Karate chop it. And uh, I went to Western for psychology. I got into some precision nutrition, some fascial stretch therapy, some uh, FRC stuff, you know, across the board, lots of stuff. Right now, especially with where we're at right now, I got a kettlebell in my garage and a pull-up bar. And uh, those are my workouts. That's about me me in a nutshell right now. Nice. And you got a nice vest on, eh? Oh yeah, well I gotta do you know, I gotta get the tank up. I thought I'd get some some cred for, you know, maybe a little trap. I don't know, maybe some traps. I think I've lost a lot of muscle over the past couple months, but you know.
0: Well, you didn't have a lot to lose, to be honest, in the first place, mate. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. I won't make a hair joke. I won't make a hair joke. <laughs> oh, oh, that'd be below the belt, brother. That'd be below the belt. All right. So let's get cracking with our round table, my mate. As usual. Uh, We're going to talk our way through the podcast, and then we're just going to pull out our key pieces. If we've got anything that we want to expand on, fantastic. More than happy. So let's start with the man, the myth, the legend when it comes to kettlebells, Steve Carr. What were your key takeaways
1: from that, brother? You know, I've been following Steve for a while myself. Uh, He's obviously got a lot of experience in the industry uh, of great kettlebell guy. Uh, when I was first starting out, I, I certainly followed some of his videos. I think he was the first guy I watched for learning how to snatch properly. So, uh, you know, shout out Steve Cotter. I think, you know, a big piece I took away from him, which is a little later in the interview, was just find what you love and do that. I think uh, that's a big thing for people. I think we get really dogmatic and, and caught up in something we're supposed to do or something our, our favorite, you know, Instagram follow uh, uh, influencers doing or something like this. And uh, I think it's really easy to get pressured into doing something that you don't really want to do and it's not going to last for a long time and, and I think across any domain whether it be fitness or any skill you're learning is consistency over time that gives you that that payback that results that return on investment so I think I really liked that where he was saying hey you know if you want to do a barbell like i I missed the barbell from not being in the gym for a couple months so I, I'm going to certainly be doing that again but uh, do what you love and uh, that'll kind of keep you going with it I think that's important for us as well as um, imparting that to our clients as well.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that 100%, my mate. You know, some of the pieces that I took away with Steve, and do you know what? A lot of this, like, there was a lot of similarities throughout every each sort of interview, which you would expect because, you know, this, like, they're all into kettlebells and we're talking about kettlebells. So there would be uh, some sort of carryover between each one. But I like the way with Steve, he was like, you know what? My key piece of equipment is the human body. So... Whatever implement you want to use, the human body, you have to be the director of the movement of the implement that you are utilizing. And you do that through being the director of your body. You know, he's like, people go, what implement do you like using? Oh, I like using a barbell. I like using a kettlebell. And Steve's like, body. I was like, okay. And then he went a little further where he was like, three key things for me, your body, a kettlebell, and somebody else's body, and I was like, I don't know where he's going with this. But when he was like grappling, like you can do like partner workouts, all that sort of stuff, I thought fantastic. Like I thought that was excellent.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. I, I and then building off that, I think you know, as I say, especially where we're at now, where we might not have access to a gym, but you know, that you don't need to punch in, punch out, you know, to to get your workout. Like it doesn't have to be in this specific one only location like you you have your body like you said you can go kind of work out wherever you want and that can also uh spark some creativity sometimes you know if we have restraints put on us it can actually create a little more creativity because we're forced to think outside the box a little bit and just use what we have available and i mean yeah we've always we've always got our body available right
0: 100 i can't be shackled down matt i'm a blue sky thinker do you know what i mean i've got to get like woo! if you try and shackle me down it don't work well you know what i'm saying
1: I hear you, man. I know that about you. I know that about you.
0: (laughs) I thought he was quite interested as well with with Steve when it's like, what are your three bread and butter movements for the kettlebell? And he's like, swing, squat, press. And I think everybody said swing, but uh, he's like, well, squat. When I say squat, I don't actually see the squat as an exercise. Do you know what I mean? I was like, that's brilliant. It's just a movement pattern. Like we should all be excellent at the squat. If you want to use them to get tired, Yes, you can use squats to get you tired if that's the aim of the game. But squat is a, it is like your movement
1: pattern, you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. And I think, uh, you know, obviously when we teach the course, the first one we, we intro is the goblet squat. And he had touched on, you know, for uh, easy entry level into squatting, the goblet squat is his preferred method. And I would, like, agree obviously 100% with that. Uh, I think it helps out if you need to sit back in the hips. Like he said, it can help with that. It can also help you kind of get into a, a little more knee knee movement as well, just by giving you a little anterior stiffness or holding that weight up, out front in the chest can help you kind of find that uh, midpoint in your squat, I would say. So I, I definitely agreed with that. And, you know, uh, obviously I like a, a rack squat for myself, you know, especially right now, just to trying to keep some strength going. But, and, and you know, teaching how to breathe behind the brace is, is a big thing with that rack squat as well. And we can learn how to kind of control our brace and control our breath, which I know he t- touched on as well. I think they all, Ta- everyone talked about, you know, the importance of breath, obviously, the, the breath is the first thing we need to we do, <laughs> we need to be able to keep breathing to live. And you know, being able to come in and out of that performance breathing and that more recovery or relaxed breathing. And I think they all kind of touched on being very specific with the breath in terms of w- how it's applicable to the demand you're doing at the time. So if you're doing more mobility training, maybe we want to ramp that breath down a bit, or if we need to get tight, and, and go for that big lift, and, and we can use the breast to ramp that up as well.
0: Yeah, when uh, Steve was talking about the benefits of, of kettlebell training, he was talking about uh, creating tension, like full body stiffness, uh, as a life skill. When our clients walk in the gym, they may lack the ability to create that full body tension, that boom, boom, like, that's what's going to be very protective of joints, all that sort of stuff. So, utilizing the kettlebell to create tension and he touched on like irradiation where he's using the other hand to really squeeze as he's squeezing the kettlebell you know what I mean so it's just interesting that in that way as well yeah 100% yeah 100% uh
1: I think they all mentioned a lot about uh and, and I know Steve's big into this just knowing his background but kind of the kettlebell can help you get into that flow state sometimes as well and for me like I, med- I meditate from time to time, for sure, uh, but sometimes with that bell, you can get into this kind of meditative state as, you know, one, once you get the technique down and, and start gaining some mastery, it's nice in terms of one movement can flow into the next, into the next, into the next. Um, I know for me, sometimes I'll just take 15 minutes and pick up a pretty light bell, like a 12 kg, and just keep it moving for 15, 20 minutes without putting it down. And it's a nice recovery and just kind of brain reset, and uh, yes, yeah, so the bell can be used a lot of different ways. I like that, mate. And There you go. So we've gone from hard style to
0: meditation. I like it. You know what I mean? I like it. All right. So we've got uh, Steve Cutter. Like, great interview. You know what I mean? And and he does tons of stuff with IKFF. So have a little check of that. Next, what about Andrea Duquesne?
1: Okay. Yeah. Andrea, good stuff again, right? And I think she starts off again, I think, talking about, you know, how important technique is. And, I mean, that's a fairly big given there. And they, they all say that. I liked how she kind of flipped the one question on its head about what complements kettlebells. And it's more like, what doesn't a kettlebell complement? <laughs> you know, I paraphrased a bit, but that's kind of where she was going with it. And I think that's, that's true. And that I think most implements work that way, but I th- certainly think with the kettlebell, the, the shape of it and the, the ballistic nature of the bell is hard to replicate through another implement, especially obviously with a swing, it's hard to get, there's not really something that's designed the same way with a weight and a handle that you can pass between your legs really easy, you know, teaching that force absorption and redirection or that Gary Gray kind of calls it the transformational zone, but the, the bell is, is one of the only implements that can really teach someone how to absorb that force and redirect it away from you again. So I think that was uh, kind of a cool thing that, that she brought up there. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that hundred percent, mate. Andrea's like
0: interesting very interesting person, like great mover, dancer, but it's strong, strong, strong like bull. You know what I mean? So she was, uh, it was fantastic speaking to her. I liked uh, one of the things that she was talking about where she was saying variety is key and are you fit, but are you fit in one way? So utilizing the kettlebell or utilizing many different training methodologies and implements in order to be fit for all types of different stuff don't just be fit in one way like I can lift yeah you can lift but can you control your body weight can you control movement can you control multiplayer stuff you know what I mean I, I thought that was a, a great
1: concept from her
0: yeah 100% I think
1: I, I made the note there too like she specifically said don't live in your sport and I think that's super important especially with young kids growing up now you know, it's like you get the, the baseball player and then the parents in the winter are putting them in indoor, you know, batting cages for, you know, and then going back on the field in the summer and in the spring, they're getting, you know, more batting cages. And it's like, you know, soon they're going to have to walk, uh, you know, sideways through the door because they can't walk straight anymore, right? And I, think, uh, I think it really pigeonholes that uh, a young kid, a young adult into not expressing their full movement and not being healthy for when they get older because their joints are only getting exposed to very limited uh, movements. And demands placed on them so I think that was a, a big thing for her uh, she was the only one who kind of brought up carries as well you know that I noticed yes. and I think the carries I love carries right I think they're super important and they're very she touched on it, so very easy to implement with somebody from the get-go I mean they kind of for the most part take care of a lot of the cueing you'd need to do in terms of like if you're not doing it right you're probably gonna fall over or walk sideways or something you know what I mean but obviously there's technique with them and I think uh, yeah she was the only one who touched on carries, so that was that was cool we we love a carry, mate. We love a carry. That's it. Yeah, you gotta love a carry. Yeah, you
0: gotta love a carry, my mate. Um, yeah. Do you know what? As as far as like, um, don't just do your sport. Like, vary it up. And people have this sort of thought process that athletes are great movers. And I think what we got, to, what we got to sort of understand is athletes are great movers inside of their demands of the sport or whatever it is that we're doing. And we use a, an example on the, on the DTS Level 1, and you will have seen this 100%. Uh, a lady squatting, right? This lady's squatting, and her squat is like, it, it's not great. She's got opportunity, let's say, with a squat, right? All the students like, oh, my God. Like, is she a good mover? No, she's not a good mover. A squat is not good. And you're like, yeah, but she's a principal ballerina in the National Ballet. So it's like, is she a bad mover? Not at all. But where do ba- ballerinas spend a lot of time? Right up on the toes. They adapt to that position.
1: Right. So
0: when she tries to squat, she's not got that range of motion at the ankle. Do you see what I mean? But it's always interesting when people have a certain expectation of athletes where really they, they adapt to the sport and they adapt to where they spend a lot of time,
1: a lot of time living, you know? you Know be ready on DTS level one, they're going to throw some trick questions at you. You know, <laughs> like that, that gave it away, there's going to be some trick questions there, but yeah, about 100%. Right? And it's like you look at a, a ballerina, and they need a lot of plant reflection. Do you want to change that? No, because for her sport, maybe that's what she needs, but you know, a lot of times at the highest level of performance, we see it sometimes a trade off of you know overall health or overall movement, maybe for a specific uh demand that they that they need to adapt to, right? Yeah, definitely. And just as a little caveat to that, we also use a video of
0: you squatting on the uh, on the DTS level one. Oh, no. <laughs>
1: Did people pick out a lot of stuff wrong with that? Hopefully not. <laughs> well, it's
0: just like like Kev puts it up and he's like, "So what do you see with this squat pattern?" And it's you squatting at the time you had like a little top knot going on, and I was like, "I hope someone says you've got a top knot." You know what I mean? And then Kev's like. It's perfect. If you see somebody squat like that, cause you're like <laughs> right down in the hole. He's like, if you see somebody squat like that, you just say yes. You know what I mean? It's oh, I've
1: been having a good day. I think it was the bun. You know, it helped offset the uh, offset the load a little bit. I don't know if I'd be as good now without it.
0: Well, you're just keeping the bun right over your base of support. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> That's how that went. Brilliant. So, Andrew Duquesne, fantastic. She does um. Uh, a lot of stuff with the Dragon Door stuff, you know what I mean. She's got a lot of online content as well, so excellent, excellent stuff from her. We'll be seeing Andrea again, you know what I mean, because she's got a. Not that everybody hasn't got a lot to bring to the table, but she's just an interesting character, you know. The first time I, I actually heard her speak on a podcast, I liked her. Yeah. And then finally, last but by no means least, we've got Brett Jones,
1: the director of edu- education for Strong First. Oh yeah, that's big. That's big. Yeah, huh? that's uh, that was one of my first certs. Was strong first. So yeah. <laughs> so what was your key takeaways from that, brother? Big thing with Brett, and no, I think a lot of those guys at, down at SFG is uh, the simplicity of it. That that's big, and that's something I think he said. Uh, what simplicity is purchased or earned, or something like this. But and it's so true. You know, you gotta you start out in something, and you're like, oh man, I don't know. You know. Anything about this, and you kind of go through, you start going through some basics, but you want to jump to like the advanced and the cool, and like the sexy things, you know, people doing a backflip and catching the kettlebell with their hand behind their back, and you know, like crazy juggling the bell and all this. Or, and then you come back and you go, Oh, shit, okay. like, <laughs> wait a second, maybe I shouldn't be doing this, and I should be focusing on this stuff I kind of jumped over at the start, right? So, I think. Oftentimes true mastery is not about adding things, but taking away things in terms of and really paring it down into like what is giving you the biggest bang for your buck and what is the minimum kind of investment I can get do to get the max return on this stuff. That was key. I think uh, uh, Dan John, a big kettlebell guy as well, always says that uh, kettlebell is kind of like Tex-Mex food where it's, you know, it's cheese, it's lettuce, it's tortilla, it's some kind of meat. It's just in how you, you know, structure it, whether it's nachos or a taco. Or, and kettlebells kind of the same way for the most part, right? It's you've got your base moves, and it's kind of how you're sequencing it together. Uh, so I thought his, his kind of talk on simplicity was cool. And even, you know, everyone was talking about unconventional versus conventional. and You know, the convention is just what everyone's doing. So it kind of shifts, right? And I think even with kettlebells within that, if you've mastered the basics, there's a lot of unconventional movements that you can kind of play around with with that same tool, right? You could do a crucifix snatch where you actually snatch out to the side with a straight arm or circle cleans. And, you know, I don't teach these to many people because they're super advanced, but you kind of have to earn the right uh, to play around with that stuff. So that's, yeah, some cool, some cool stuff there for sure. The simplicity stuff was cool.
0: You know what I mean? Because he's just like, yeah, what I do is I do get ups, and swings. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just like, okay. You know, he said, and that's, that's what I like to do. Do you know what I mean? Just like, you, you watch a workout that I do. He said, it's just super straightforward. Nothing crazy. Nothing showy. Boom. I just get it done. And I think that's an interesting concept where as an industry, we jump to the most complex stuff. Like when we're looking for an answer to something, it becomes automatically complicated. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you've just jumped over a massive component there. Why don't we see if it's something really straightforward first and then move to the complicated stuff? You know what I mean? But people are like, um, what's the best supplement to take for this? Well, why don't you try like changing your nutrition first? You know what I mean? And then we can have a look if you need supplementation. I'm not saying don't take it. But there's a big opportunity with eating, like, burgers and pizza and all this, that, and the other, every single day. Do you know what I mean? From that sort of stuff, the complication, whether it's nutrition, training, movement, like, nail the fundamentals, and
1: then then you can progress, you know?
0: Yeah, 100%. I I, Like, yeah, I agree with that. I mean,
1: in basically every area of life. But, yeah, you know, you'll get people who are like, what's the uh, the supplement? Should I take the uh, organic ashwanga from Mount Olympus that was blessed by this monk? And it's like you're sleeping three hours a night right we may want to like put things in perspective a little bit right? <laughs> you know i need this adrenal support but i'm having five coffees a day and only sleeping three hours a night it's like well yeah you might have, there's adrenal support in sleeping with, without going complicated with it so i think yeah we get uh, we get caught up in a lot of that and, and sometimes simple doesn't seem sexy to people or it's too simple and they're like this can't work this is way too easy right and sometimes the the hard part is just staying the course for long enough to see the the, the payoff of, of the easy, simple stuff. Simple doesn't mean easy, right? It just means it's not complicated. <laughs> but that can be hard sometimes, like you were saying too, right? You like new variety and things like that. So I think a lot of people want that that little dopamine hit, right? Where you, oh, yeah. you constant constant feedback. And sometimes it's just hard to just stay the course and I think Brett was talking about showing up with that workmanlike attitude to a workout. And it, you shouldn't need to be like chewing caffeine straight out of the bag and, you know, snorting random powders before you go on your workout and doing crazy, banging your head on the wall to get ramped up just for your own everyday workout, right? I think uh, Pavel's big on looking at your workout in, in terms of, of practice. So you're just practicing. And that takes kind of the... Sometimes I think people get like, oh man, I got to drip with sweat and I got to have my heart beating and and out of my chest and, you know, yeah, there's times for that for sure, but usually they're fewer and far between than the more kind of easygoing, like everyday workout, right? Yeah, makes a lot of sense, mate, you know, get the simple stuff nailed
0: and then move on from there. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I just Um, did a little sinister myself two days
1: ago as my workout, right? Which is just swings and get up. You know, I, I'm still doing that, that same swing and get up thing as well twice a week. You know, it's just like it's just the way it is. You slowly build up in weight. And I think uh, Steve Cotter maybe was talking about, yeah, building up the, the tensile strength that sometimes we rush quickly. And the muscle obviously, uh, maybe not obviously, but adapts a lot faster than connective tissue and of the fashion and all this. So we need to give that time to catch up as well. And the bell is a nice way to do that because it's one weight a lot of the time for a while and you just slowly increase volume on that and it allows you to adapt your grip and everything, right? It gets to adapt that way.
0: Yeah, I thought that was a, that was a great point by Steve where he was talking about increasing the volume over time as opposed to increasing the weight of the belt. He said, if I've got 10 bells, no problem. I can increase the the weight over time. He said, but if I've only got one bell, how do I follow that principle of progressive overload? He said, I just increase the volume. So I just do more and more and more and more and more reps, you
1: know? 100%, 100%. And bringing it back to Brett, I think um, he was saying, you know, yeah, you you master those basics and then you start expanding the circle a little bit and adding things in. And I know uh, a, a lot of people listening probably have heard of Ido Portal, but he has the same theory of, you know, you're kind of in that circle and you at the start you can kind of push it out. In each direction without moving anywhere, but eventually you have to start, you know, walking a, a mile one way to expand your knowledge or skill in that way. And then you have to kind of come back to center and go the other way, maybe a little bit, but it all becomes about where do you want to want to put your focus? And I know like John already talked about the T and the deep learning and all that. And it, it just kind of goes into that, right? We get a general base of knowledge and then we have to decide where we want to spend some time and, and get a little more on myopic with that or like laser focused. See, we're at that point now. We're at that
0: point where you started to get excited, aren't you?
1: Yeah, I know. You know, I get a little, get a little revved up now. So, gotta you, you know, I get going slowly, right? <laughs> I'm not like you, know, you. just hit it. You hit it hard. I need to ramp up a little
0: bit. Yeah, I go straight into it. You're more like a slow burner. You know what I mean? <laughs> all right, mate. I think do you know what. Fantastic review, all told. I think the kettlebell stuff was was excellent. Now I know the main reason I don't normally do this with the round table, right? I don't normally do this with the round table, but I know the main reason that you've done this today is so you can get asked the question. Oh no.
1: <laughs> I told I told them before this, don't ask me this way. This is a stump this is gonna stump me this one. Well, let's see. Who would win a fight between
0: a great white shark and a saltwater croc and why?
1: Man, that's heavy i didn't i didn't you know i like to do research before stuff and i didn't get a chance to research this one i don't know the you know the ins and outs of these animals but i think it comes down to you know off the top of my head if it's in a shallow water i think the croc might have an advantage there you know like i think if he could draw draw the shark in maybe get him to charge at him play a little possum and draw him into some shallows from shallow water he might have the advantage on the shark I'm going to go with the croc just because I think most people go with the shark with the caveat he's got to use. He's got to you play a little possum with him and use, use some strategy. All right. No, I'll have it, mate. I'll have it.
0: But I know you was looking forward to that question, so I All thought, right, I'd, I I, I thought I'd, I'd ask you. Thank you.
1: <laughs>
0: mate, listen, thank you very much for coming on the show. I know you're a busy guy, so uh, thanks a lot for taking time out and coming on. Always a pleasure, never a chore.
1: Yeah, thanks, Ben. I appreciate it. I uh, don't don't get a chance to do many podcasts, but I really enjoyed it. Great just chatting about stuff that uh, that you're passionate about. So thanks very much for having me. I, I had a lot of fun. Fantastic. And I'm going to finish it with a... Goal, Matt Thatcher! Oh, yeah. Thanks, Ben. I'm ready to crush my day now. <laughs>
0: That was the DTS Fitness Education podcast. You can follow us on social media or visit us at dtsfitnesseducation.com for more knowledge applied. Remember, there's a new episode weekly. So thanks for listening and go DTS Fitness Education!